Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. Today, I talked to Rahul Subnis, the chief creative officer at a little company called iHeartMedia. iHeartMedia specializes in radio broadcasting, podcasting, digital, and live events. I think the company owns more than 850 full-power AM and FM radio stations in the U.S., making it this country's largest owner of radio stations. Not too surprising there. They are also, of course, involved in the podcasting world via the platform iHeartRadio, and they are dominating the podcasting world. So many number ones. It's amazing. Now, I didn't know what a chief creative officer really did, so... Rahul explains that, and he also opens up about his relationship with being brown, kind of growing up now and in his own industry. So super engaging conversation. I so appreciated his time. He was so open and honest about his journey. I really hope you enjoy my interview with Rahul Sabdas. iHeartMedia. Obviously, everyone knows what iHeartMedia is. You guys have basically, in layman's term, a ton of AM and FM radio stations. You guys are dominating the podcast world, live and digital events. Basic question, break it all down for me. The iHeart umbrella. What does the iHeart family look like? Because I think that's somewhat confusing to people. Oh, yeah. Um, You guys are obviously kind of everywhere. And then what does like each branch or family member do? Yeah, it's funny because oftentimes people go, what is the chief creative officer at iHeartMedia do? And I go, well, first you got to understand what iHeartMedia is. Yes. So the one that most people know us for is the over 850 radio stations. Um, we reached like 278 million Americans, which is basically nine out of 10 Americans, like every month. It's a big deal. So the easy one is the stations. The second thing that most people don't know about us is our um, iHeartRadio app, which is both on phones, on every smart speaker. Um, I think our registered users are something like 180 million, like something like that. So that's a ton. Okay. Then in addition to that, all these stats are on our site if you ever want to see it, yeah. which is big. We have a huge events group. Yep. I just alluded to the iHeartRadio Music Festival. We have, you know, the awards, iHeartRadio Music Awards. We have Fiesta Latinas coming, Jingle Ball for those who are like, who are fun, fan of pop music, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on and on. We have every, right. tons of those. And then this whole little thing called podcasting. About four years ago now, I think we um, invested in stuff, um, stuff media. Yeah. So how stuff works kind yep. of thing. And that blew up very quickly. We did that intentionally. We realized that. Actually, in addition to, we now have iHeart Podcasts in addition to our iHeart Radio group. Yeah. So there's kind of the radio stations and then there's the podcast division. Right. The podcast division is the leader, the, the number one publisher in America. People talk about publish, like people think of podcasting very strangely. Like they go, oh, it's where I listen to it. Or, you know, so I listen on Spotify or I listen to Apple. It's actually the creators. You as a creator are what makes our network so big. So we have more hits. I think we have like more number ones in more categories than anyone else and all the accolades. 
So to answer your question in the worst possible way, and then there's this other thing I'll just add in. We're also almost, we're a talent agency. We have more on-air voices, which we call on-air influencers or audio influencers across America. So if you have just the easiest one to, that people kind of think of is like that, some guy named Ryan Seacrest, right? That, that, that dude. guy. Yeah. That dude. Um, he's, you know, one of our biggest personalities. And then you have, yeah. you know, someone like an Angela Yee from the Breakfast Club who's about to start her own show. Yeah. You know, so we have thousands of personalities like that that are directed, like even a Steve Harvey is in there. Right. And so the long and the skinny of it is we have talent, we have content, we have podcasting, we have radio stations, we have all of these things. But ultimately our kind of thing that I like to tell people is we are the audio reflection of America. I like that. We basically have to reflect all of America. It's not easy, by the way. And also being, you know, we all have our personal um, positions and, and belief systems. Oddly enough, it kind of leans into being Indian American. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But how to be accessible to everyone and listen to everyone, even opposing viewpoints is kind of what we're right. about. Like, right. And in this fragmented world that we live in, it actually is our agenda to be like everyone's best friend, which sounds yeah. really hokey, but really important these days. And frankly, the simple things matter. So, I mean, you have to be. You have no choice if you want to reach every American, right? 100%. And, and, and you kind of touched on this. So your role is chief creative officer. I mentioned to you uh, earlier that you know my husband's role is chief growth officer. And mm -hmm. I remember asking him, I'm like, what is, is that a made up? Like chief growth, not made up, but he's legit, but is this a new role? Like what is chief growth officer? So I know exactly my question what that to you, is. <laughs> so, it's so, a hard so, job. Yes. Yeah. He, he, uh, he, he loves it. So chief creative officer, is that a, re a recent role in these big corporations? And what does that entail? What does that mean? Actually at iHeart, we didn't have a chief creative officer um, before that. And it was really... The brain, tr uh, the brain trust of our CEO, uh, CEO, Bob Pittman and Gail Troberman, who is our CMO, who is my boss, that ultimately, if we are going to reflect all the brands that are out there in our world of like audio, you needed someone to basically be a champion of audio, but also to be the bridge. Because you can say all the things you want, like, hey, I want a better radio spot or radio ad. But if you don't know how to create that, you won't be able to do it. So the chief creative officer, and also to emphasize, I don't, like we have a Tom Pullman who's the head of programming. His job is to make sure that every single thing that America listens to on air kicks ass. Like that's his job. I, we do not, I do not touch that. That is not okay. my, my, my role by any stretch. Will Pearson is the head of our podcasting division. He is the president, you know, he owns that, that group. I don't decide like, hey, we think this is a good podcast or not. I'm all about the marketing of properties. Okay. So when it, when it comes to how people receive that and how brands come into the ecosystem of iHeart and find their way to reflect their voice in our ecosystem. So, you know, let's say a PNG decides they want to create a campaign, but they don't have an audio asset. We help them. Or a T-Mobile decides they want to, you know, work with a podcaster. How, what's the integration there? Our job or my job is to make sure that part of it's done. And the other side of it is also all the branding. Right. So how do our logos show up? How do our, you know, how does um, the iHeart heart, is it represented correctly? 
Do we have a new position coming out? How do we want to present ourselves both B2B, B2C, help, you know, help all those sides of our family, both visually and audio, like in that sense. So it's the brands too. Well, it seems like, I mean, my, my, so that's a lot. <laughs> it seems like since you graduated college and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, you have been focusing, you know, before iHeartMedia on building brands, on marketing, on advertising mm-hmm. up until you got to iHeartMedia. So that's kind of been your, your career path up till now, correct? I came out of college. Uh, I tried to be an engineer for my dad. Good, I went for, to Cor- good Indian boy, see? Cornell. You kind of knew, Cor- you kind of knew you were Indian. Uh, yeah, no, I, I knew I was Indian. Oh, I knew, <laughs> I knew. You know, it, you know that that one percent you got wrong, it was real. All you right. got the one question wrong. Yeah, you, all right. yeah we all know it. Stories all have been done. Right. Yep. But um, so following my dad's footsteps, I went to Cornell. Uh, he was a gold medalist engineer from India who got a scholarship and got his PhD in two years from Cornell. That's my dad. Awesome. And so when it came time to pick my school, I was like, well, I guess I'll be a computer scientist because that was the closest. I was working on computers doing. Uh, design. I was self-taught a designer there. And I learned very quickly that I was a terrible, I was a very subpar engineer at Cornell, which by the way, isn't horrible, but it's a miserable life. Yeah. Like I could see like literally a sliding door moment where I could go. Yeah. And I, ha- and I, I found myself in communications and felt better immediately. And when I got Good my first, yeah, no, I, well, you know how hard it is to break away from family and, and expectations. It's hard I think the next generation, it gets a little bit easier right? Um, because, but when you're the first of the first generation, it's brutal. Really? It's yeah. super brutal. I and didn't get to break away till 38 after I married lawyer. a nice Indian boy and had two girls. So oh, just, just congratulations on breaking away before all that. <laughs> it, it was, look, I, I, it wasn't, my dad said it perfectly when I told him, I, and this was about my third semester of barely scraping through. And I, I called them literally, I was fearful called him in the middle of the night. Literally, it was like one in the morning. I just went to the fluid dynamics class at Cornell where I, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Went to the TA session, asked them the dumbest question like, why is, why does the number zero exist? The guy just looked at me and he goes, dude, you're not an engineer. Just don't, just don't. And I said, okay, so what do I, should I do? And he goes, I don't know, but go to the course, you know, the admissions, get the course. I still, I looked through it and I immediately, I just, fumble through the admissions courses and like I looked and I was like, ooh, communications. This is what I actually really want to do. I, I could go to school and actually enjoy life. Called my parents at like one in the morning. I remember it distinctly. My dad picks up the phone. He's like, Rahul, what are you doing calling so late? Like, what is this? Are you okay? Are you safe? Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's the first thing any parent yeah. would say. And I go, dad, I need to move. I have to switch, switch out of engineering. And he goes, okay, but can- you're safe. And I go, yes. He goes, He's like, okay, you're not fine. in the hospital. No, okay. I'm, not, I'm safe. I'm just but, telling you. But, but you will be after we're done with this call. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, call me in the morning at a reasonable time and right. we'll talk about this. And we spoke the next day and my father and I had this really, really, it was, I think the beginning of our adulting moment where, and I, you know, this is just advice for every kid, you know, like you'll know the moment. And I was speaking to both my parents, but my dad said a very simple thing to me. He said, look, you better be great. And I go, what do you mean, dad? And he goes, if you aren't great, I won't be able to help you. Right. You being an engineer, I have connections, but I have no connections in what you're doing. I don't even know if there's a path. I don't even know how you do it. What's your future? Like if you're an engineer, you kind of know where you're going and I can talk to people and, and this, 
but you're on your own. You'll always have a home. You can always come home, but I won't be able to give you that extra, you know, leg up. My father and I just over the years have become even closer. It's kind of a funny thing. Like you, my mom and I don't do this. I'm not disrespecting my mom. I love my mom to death. She's the, you know, she's the one who I can text with, but my dad, right. I have to, I talk just to. Different relationship. Different sure. relationships. Right. My right. mom is, uh, you know, my mom makes me smile. My dad makes me think kind of thing. And, and yeah. when I, when we came out of bankruptcy, I heard a few years ago, still on the website right now, there's a photograph of us coming, like relaunching the company. I came out of bankruptcy and we were listed on NASDAQ and there's a photograph on me on the side. And I sent that picture to my parents. And I also said to my dad, I'm like, do you think, just think about that in one generation, you from all the challenges in Mumbai and the poverty and the, the studying and the VJTI and the IIT and all the stuff you did, your son stands on the center of commerce in the Western world in one generation. So this isn't my win. This isn't my photograph. It's you. It's mom. It's all that you sacrificed. And it was kind of that moment in Cornell to the moment I was standing on stage and all the, you know, the F ups and mistakes and all the craziness that you go through that I try to remind, but I try to remind my parents because I think as you get further in, you become much more respectful of all the, the crap they had to do. I found out once my parents, had books on how to parent. Which is odd for Indian parents. But there's a reason. They didn't have their support system. Yeah. So what is our support system in India? Like Aji will tell you, you know, mm -hmm. uncles will tell you, like your whole life is around you. And so raising a child is a collective, but now they've been thrust in as an alien in a foreign land, literally, right. with no mores or understanding of how to be who you are. They're like, well, we, we're gonna read the book. We're going to read the book where there's no other thing to do. That's what we're good at. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to study our way through. Right. God forbid, like we'd act, right. you know, it was just crazy. So anyways, I, I, hopefully this is, I'm going on weird no, tangents. No, but I love that. Well, that's all, that's what podcasting is. It, sh it shouldn't be scripted. So, well, one, I realized I was never going to be a doctor uh, when I got failed geometry in ninth grade. So you made it to Cornell. Did you need angles in doctorhood? I actually, I actually even, uh, I'm not kidding, Rahul. I had a nightmare last night about my geometry teacher. I swear to God, geom uh, math and the test, it's like a PTSD. Uh, I know. Yeah. I know it's not like going into the army and like fighting yeah. war, but that's my version. No, my, no, fear my is sad still version fear. of it. It's fear. fear. Two, um, my dad also went the IIT route, Mumbai. He just went to his 50 year uh, reunion. But I, okay. guarantee, I guarantee you, my parents know your parents. So oh, I'm sure. I, I'm it, sure. It's a small world. It's a small world. Yeah. And he and the engineering thing. And my brother, thank God, my older brother became the engineer and doctor. So I could just be a little bit jungly. Um, <laughs> and jungly meaning yeah. like going to, jungly no, meaning going to law school. Mean. Going I to law school. Mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is not slumming it at all. Yeah. That is yeah. so not that. Totally. Well, my, my first job out of UT was at Enron. And my parents were like, after that didn't work out, they were like, what are we going to do with you? I'm like, I didn't bring it down. I was just shredding papers. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> You're literally the meme that says everything is fine. It'll it's all fine. be okay. It's fine. It's fine. fine. It's fine. I, I've I'm just shredding that. a few things. Don't mind this. I mean, they were paying us a lot of money. So I was like, all right. <laughs> That's Isn't it about the money? I mean, like, it's good. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was oddly one of my most favorite jobs in terms of learning. Obviously not what happened, but point being, I, I think our parents, like you said, you know, they came here based on education. 
And they also had a lot of fear for us for just making it here, head down, work hard, mm-hmm. keep your voice down and just, you know, you'll, you'll make it happen if you work hard enough. And I think that some of that fear has been passed on to us, obviously. Um, I know it has for me and I haven't been able to break through that fear till now, uh, mm-hmm. meaning like finding myself, finding my voice, even starting this podcast. My parents still don't know how to listen to it properly, but they were so scared of me doing this podcast. And I, like you, told them the reason I'm able to have any kind of voice right now is because of you guys, what you guys did for us. Absolutely. That's why this podcast, again, like what you said, it sounds kind of cheesy or hokey, but it's true. This is for them. Otherwise, it's their voice. It's you their are voice. their voice. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit funnier. Actually, my dad's pretty funny, but I, I say the same thing. So I love that you said that. And let's just continue on from there. So you, you grew up. Where did you grow up? What area? I grew up in Maryland, right outside of D.C. I was born in D.C. Um, That's why Cornell was at least four states away, so I had to be away from my family. It was either that or Northwestern. Right. This is kind of weird. I went to a Montessori school, which if you have children, you know what that means. But what's weird about it is I went to the same school from the age of like two and a half to like I graduated. Did you like that? When people ask me that question, I always kind of go, versus what? You know, like, because you can't, I I don't know, like part of, that's why... A big part of me leaving to a big school like Cornell was I wanted to be, I wanted anonymity. Right. I I wanted like everyone, like I knew everyone and everyone knew my business. Right. But at the same time, what was so amazing about the school, this school called Barry School in, in, in Maryland. Okay. Um, so my graduating class was like 17 kids, one seven. Wow. Wow. Indeed. Wow. 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 Yeah. Right. Who was it? How did you figure out who your prom date was? It was, it was a short list, but, uh, and it was a small prom. So it's like all very, you know, it wasn't like, we didn't have many options at that time. So, yeah. but I, I, um, what was funny about the school was how much, if you were in an environment where creativity and exp- like you, you, you weren't, failure wasn't a bad thing. Right. Failure was actually a part of learning and Montessori thinking. We were one of the first Montessori high schools at that time. There's a Montessori high school? Yeah. We By the way, the f- my mom's a Montessori school teacher. So, so uh, it's been in my blood, uh, but I've so never heard know. of high school. I've never Ask heard. Ask her about Barry School, the Montessori Institute of, you know, of, like they, they have an institute, the Barry. Okay. It's in Silver Spring. It's pretty famous. Okay. We were the first. And I remember the hardest part about the switch to kind of academia at Cornell was the rigor. Right. But one of the things that when I got further out, like when I got to like my professional life was the inclusivity of ideas and the generosity of like being one family. I use family a lot in my professional life. People used to always make fun of me. Now they think I'm Vin Diesel talking about like some fast and furious thing. So, but no, I'm, I'm very much a person who believes in like us together doing something together. And that's right. a very Montessori, Montessori thing. It's not a versus thing. Um, a lot of who I am came from that school. All the discipline came from my mom and dad. Like, right. you know, the hardworking side of it, the, all right, do it again. Make sure your bed's made every day. Like all that stuff came in and the discipline. And then of course, school, like college did that too. Right. So, I always say that I'm like, I don't know what percentage it is, but you know, it all starts at home. And then, sure. and then whatever percentage left is school and, and training and stuff. But the core is home, right? Always. Um, and I, it's, it's interesting that you say that. I, I had both my kids went to Montessori. And this is a whole other podcast. So we, we can get We can do a second later. episode too. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> Montessori, Montessori and you, brown kids. It's all right. What happened? 
<laughs> oh my God, there's so much to it. Because uh, both my kids went through it. Anyways. And so then you mentioned a little bit at the beginning that you, for lack of better words, didn't realize, or maybe it hit you that you were Indian American the past five, 10 years or so. So explain mm. that. Like, what, you know, is that based on your childhood and not being in, you know, having a smaller group of community friends or? I, you know, it's weird. I think, so for the longest time, you're just heads down. Like my job was to succeed to, you know, again, going back to that conversation I had with my parents about you better be damn, like really great right. at this. So I, the fear of failure propelled me to a certain point in my career. And then what happens at some point in your career, you get to these rungs, right? And you realize you're hitting ceilings and you have to actually self-actualize in some way. You have to actually start to stop worrying about getting work done and prepare yourself for the next level. And uh, there was this creative team. It wasn't Indian American. It was actually, he, I believe he was, he was Southeast Asian of sort. I think he was Vietnamese okay. if I'm not mistaken. But in, in the advertising world, you recruit teams create art and, art and copy kind of thing. It's a big deal. Like, so, you know, if you've watched Mad Men, you know what I'm talking about. And when you have the best teams, you can have the best ideas. And I remember when I was working at this one agency, there was the hottest team coming out of the West Coast. They'd moved to New York and they were interviewing with all the top agencies. And the agency I was working with wasn't the top. And I was, and I am, was never a name and I will never be a name in the industry because I've never been that type of person. And... I had recruited them and they were like, yes, I'm joining. And one of the guys was, he was Southeast Asian and we were on a shoot and we had just finished a shoot and we walked away. Like, you know, we were having our post shoot wrap up drink. Cause I was like, you gotta have a drink after a shoot. What do you mean? After all the stress. <laughs> so his partner who's white American uh, was going to the bathroom and I just like, you know, turned to him and I said, listen, dude, can I ask you a candid question? Just, uh, you know, actually we can wait till he comes back and I'll ask you this now. Why'd you guys say yes? Like, I'm not the shit or anything. Like, I'm not a big deal. You, you guys had the pick of the litter of all of New York's agencies. Like, you could have gone anywhere. All the names. Right. And he said, do you know why? Straight up, I, really, the decision was, we were both in the decision. But for me personally, I'd never seen anyone who was a minority, anyone who spoke like you. I was like, what do you mean? And he goes... Mm. You didn't, there was no point in the conversations, like when you were talking to us, when you were talking to people coming in and interrupting, you knew you were a fully realized version of yourself in, as a creative flight. Like you weren't being like the Indian American in the room. You were right. just being Rahul. Right. And I was like, what else I'm not sure supposed I, to be? Yeah. I, yeah. But it was so strange. It was like a meta moment where I didn't understand that. Yeah. But then I did. Because for him, he was like, I can be that guy. Right. I can model myself and be the version of myself that I want to be um, and, and be honest and true to myself. And that's when I started. That was the beginning. That was about 10 years ago hmm. where I started to recognize that people are looking at me. Yeah. And not and people around me were looking at me. And looking I had at you differently, you think? Yeah. Okay. But not differently hopefully, like with hope, like okay. they were not looking at me, just go like, there were people who were looking at me and being the kind of leader that I wanted to be and was trying to be and were aspirational, like found that an aspirational thing to be one day. So Got it. 
I had to take that very seriously and go, you know what? I don't want to accidentally be the person I am. I want to be intentional about it so that right. others can, like, I may be carrying a torch, but I'm going to hand that torch to them. They can be tomorrow's leaders. Right. And for many of my, like, Asian Americans, Indian Americans, frankly, Black Americans, everyone, like, that I work with, it became one of those moments where I was like, okay, I want to be that person for them. I need right. to do that. I'm not going to sit there and post on my LinkedIn, look at how great I am as an Indian American. I think that's being a disservice to Indian Americans everywhere. Right. Or frankly, every minority. Yeah. Do your job, right? Like we're, it's a very, right. it's unnecessary. I don't need to brag about it. We wear it. So. But is it being accidentally who you are equivalent to being authentic? Great question. Uh, isn't that Great. a better way to be versus sometimes intentional can seem fake. I think intentional, you're not wrong. I think intentionally recognizing the things that are truly me and not subsuming them. Okay. An example would be um, being afraid to have like to just be the, the goofy real person that I am. Versus right. being worried about how I would be perceived right. in, you know, like, oh, well, I get that tap on, you know, the pretender minds, you know, syndrome kind of thing. Yeah. Well, like being true to myself was the intent. Right. So it wasn't me being a different person. Right. It was giving myself permission to be who I was. And what was once a weakness, because I never had a mentor. Like I never had mentors uh, through my career. Ever. Wow. Ever. So Why do you think that is? I mean, considering where you are now, you know, there's always some sort of I will say the last few mentorship. years, my last few years at iHeart have, I've had multiple influences that have been great. Like I, okay. I can go from my current boss, Gail Troverman, who's amazing. She was like the CCO of Microsoft for multiple years. And she's been okay. an incredible guide and, and like, you know, partner at this point, you know, because okay. she's really much helped me in my career. Bob Pittman is our CEO. And then there's a gentleman named D Darren Davis who used to work with us for, he used to be at iHeart for many years and taught me the operational side of it. But right. I, I would say until I really reached iHeart, I don't think I had the people above me who invested in my success for right. better or for worse. Interesting. Like literally were like, I want to see you do these things. Right. The advantage of that, of not having a mentor is you had to learn everything yourself. On yourself, and maybe you had, you, maybe you didn't seek it out unintentionally. That's true. Like maybe it was one, it was both, probably. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I saw it, like sought out, like searched it out or sought, sotted, sotted, sotted. It's fine. Good me with the editing. words, much not good. Uh, uh, no, no, keep it in there. It's like real. <laughs> I know. Trust me. Half the time I listen to my interviews, I'm like, wow, I sound like an idiot. My editor's like, nope, you sound like yourself. I'm like, fantastic. that's what you need. There fantastic. You What's your relationship with being brown now? Like. Hmm. Is it a, uh, you know, the term, and yeah. like, I, hate, I hate this term or whatever. It's ABCD, American Born Confused SE. I think it's complete bullshit because I don't think yep. we're confused. Agreed. I actually, I actually think people in India are more confused than we are. A thousand percent. Thank you. I have a whole other, I was like, can we start what? a podcast okay, on podcast that? Okay, podcast three. Three. Talking There's about so real many. confusion. So, go, so, go. Rahul, so many ideas. I have so, so many get, ideas. It's good, good. I'll uh, give you themes. Uh, it's good. Oh my God, so many. What's my relationship with being yeah. brown, being Indian? Forget even work uh, with your own family, with your friends. I don't know if you're married or not. Have kids. I am um, married. Uh, no children. Okay. My wife's Italian-Irish. We're nice. both in the industry. If you guys decide to 
to have kids, they're going to be beautiful. Just FYI, just throwing oh. it out there. Yeah. Well, thank what, you. What a mix. Um, I what a mix. think that's probably, um, we have a really nice puppy. And uh, I think, okay. you know, it's funny, you know, people say, are you, why didn't you, have, you know, I've asked people like, why didn't you have kids? And I go, some people get to have kids, right? Some people commit themselves to the people around them in a different way. Like, cause totally. if we had had children, I don't think I could have been as generous. No, I, no, not think I could never have been as generous as a human to the people who work around me, not just for me and above me yep. to be able to give all of your time to that. And totally. that's not about work. It's about human to human connections and being It's just that fact. Way. It's just a fact. fact. Yeah. So, but going back to the original question, which was, what's my relationship with being Indian? Right. Or maybe even India or both. I miss India. Okay. Um, I used to go, my family made it like, now. like I can't speak it anymore. Like my accent, even as I say it, sounds like someone else speaking it and I, I've lost it. Okay. But I used to be, I, I understand Marathi fluently. I was Do just going to ask you, I'm going to pause. So I, I've lived in India for one time for one year after mm -hmm. Enron before law school as a backup dancer. And I don't know what the hell I was doing. And then second time around with my husband, we lived in India for three years, Delhi, Bangalore. So I have okay. a very strong connection to India. I yep. had to go to Hindu camps every summer, Mondays every, yeah, I mean. Oh God. Four, fourth podcast. What, what happens to kids that go to Hindu camps? I think what, what uh, happens, what is religion to a mo like to an Indian American? Yes, what is yes. religion in its oh role in our lives? We should do and that me, one. My I, husband, I'm here for that. Yeah. Oh God. Let's talk it. We'll, so, so bring many. me back for that one. Because me and my husband have totally different points of view. I have become, I all of a sudden want my kids to be Hindu. My, my husband's like, who cares? It's all a whole thing. Anyways. Oh, I have so much to talk about that one. I that know. Was a good one. I know. I know. Um, That's a good one. We'll have to get you on a panel. I'm planning some stuff. Anyways. So my relationship to India, I feel like I know a lot about it and, and the different regions and the people. I have never actually heard your last name before. Subnis? Is it, is it like a, is it common? Yeah. Okay. In, so. in, uh, common. Well, I can tell you where the Subnis is from like Shivaji Park in okay. Mumbai. That's okay. how like specific I can go. Like people awesome. know, cause you know, in cities, especially like places like Mumbai, like you're that, those people or like right. my mom or the Raja Dikshas from Gwalior Tank. Like they, you know, okay. exactly back in the day in Mumbai, like, especially when you're with arranged marriages, you had to know, you know what right. I mean? Right, right, right. So is it a common name? Probably not. Okay. Um, Sounds almost Greek when I first got to America. Are you guys Sabines? Are yeah. you Greek? But it was well, great for voting. When I, when you were I reached right out at the top to of the S's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I reached out to you, I was like, wait, I think he's South Asian. I was <laughs> like, <laughs> Rahul sounds very Indian. I was like, unless he went like, unless, you know, maybe he took his partner's name and right. like, maybe it's a Greek last name. No, right. Sabnis is okay. or Subnis properly. Sub Subnis, yep. Yeah, is a proper Maharashtran name, like okay. proper, you know, all, all, all the things. Right. My relationship with India is funny is I miss it desperately because I miss all the families that I haven't seen in three. Like I used, we, I go, used to go when I was a kid every year, better for worse, bathrooms and toilets and all this, all the crap. My parents, God bless them, did all the stuff to try to make it as painless as possible. Like right. bringing a box of, you know, uh, cereal with us and things like that. So that it would, like, they were just like my parents. Peanut butter. Peanut butter? The things my parents uh, did. Oh, uh, yeah. They would bring peanut butter. Correct. Half our, half our bags were food. It's just, I'm like, and now you couldn't even do a half that stuff anymore. Yeah. They're like, what yeah. are you, bringing yeah. like, you know, lantern flies in your box? Like, fantastic. Yeah. So when I was younger, I used to hate going to India. And then in my teens, I started to realize how much of me was imbued by India. Right. 
I've often been told by people around me that I don't take, like I, I take my job very seriously, but I don't get flustered or emotional about some of the more minutia things that people do get flustered about, like privilege, like I deserve this or something like that. Because when you see the poverty of India mm-hmm. as you're growing up, and you know, by the grace of gods, all of them. Yep. Pray to all of them. Yep. All One them. little thing. My dad, mom meeting. My mom saying yes. God bless her. Right. Like just you know, being able to you know, for those families to come together, for them to come in America. I I could have been there. Totally. My you know, my dad not being who he was. My mom not being who she was. Like that weird, strange cosmic mix, and it humbles you. Yeah. It humbles you every time you go and. The further I get from, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not here to say that like India is less than us or anything, but the, the razor edge between ha- like first time I took my wife, again, first time she went to India, she, I warned her about this. I said, the thing you're not going to be able to understand is the, the stark discrepancy between a massive, I mean, it wasn't then, but like massive opulence and then naked object poverty Right. On the doorstep. Right. And you won't be able to square that circle. You won't be able to. And you'll have to accept that and note that both or like the poverty that comes right to your car. And she's like, I mean, now she, un- I mean, obviously you, you don't, we've been married now for, we've been together for 21 years. We've right. been married for, I think maybe like 18 years. I don't even remember. Oh, you dates. better know the number. <laughs> we don't care. We, <laughs> okay, we knew, we don't even like for us being married was more of a formality okay. than it was our commitment to each other. Quick so, question. Did you do Indian yeah. wedding? Great question. My, so my wife's family, my, my wife's name is Anne. Um, okay. And she's from San Francisco and her family, they don't travel. Like they really don't like to get in planes and they're very like, we're just, so Anne had already been to India multiple times. And we also were like, we don't really want a wedding. We really wanted to spend that money. She's very practical, more practical. I, I lucked out. If it was me, I'd be the, like just money, like stupid. <laughs> she taught me the art of being able to save money and use money wisely. And the first thing she's like, look, honey, we can get engaged or anything. We don't need a wedding. I mean, like just so we don't, I'm not your girlfriend anymore, but whatever you want to do. Good but for I her. Buy, she said, I want to buy a place. She goes, instead of doing a wedding, right, which will have some nice pictures and some great memories. And those are important. I want to buy a house. So we bought our first apartment instead of. But my parents were just like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. My mom was like, but I want my wedding. And we're like, it's, all right. It's for look, them. You, it's for them. We're like, okay, listen, if you want your wedding, you can have it. We'll be, we'll get married. But like, I'm not like my friends, I'm not going to send them into this crazy. Like, I, it just wasn't the right thing. So what we did was actually incredible. I, we married, Anne was my mom in a sense. And I was my dad in a weird way. And those two families, my mom's side and my dad's side, married us. Oh. So it was almost, so like my parents gave away, um, I mean, brought Anne in to our family and my mama and mommy. So like my, my mom's yep. brother yep. and, 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 and his wife was, was her surrogate, her, were her surrogate parents. And we did the entire Indian wedding in India in Mumbai. Nice. And so it was like the biggest, like wedding reunion. With none of the pressures. Obviously, it was a lot of pressure. There's never yeah. any enough pressure. <laughs> I was like, well, it's still Indian families. But yeah. There are people like, so what sucked for us is we didn't get to do the, like the Ameri- like have all our friends together and all that kind of stuff. There were right. people who were like, why didn't you invite us to it? And we're like, 
Yeah. It was different. Yeah. Um, one of these days we'll actually have that wedding wedding. Um, some point, maybe, yeah. you know, when, you know, when we celebrate our 50th anniversary, it'll be great. It's, so. And it's going to be even better. So two, yeah. two points. We did the big fat Indian wedding in Houston. Um, nice. Oof. It was for, it was for our parents. Please I don't tell remember. me it was during the winter. October. That's good. October, October in Houston is nice. Yeah. It was actually randomly like the nicest weekend in Houston. And then it all went to shit the week after. Uh, <laughs> so did that for my parents. Would I do it again? No. Two, we just celebrated our 40th. Uh, in our 10 year anniversary, like it did, a, it's called, it was 401040. We were in Bentonville, Arkansas for two years. For, I know where Bentonville is. I've heard of Bentonville. It starts I, with a wall and ends with a mart. That's where we were a wall. <laughs> the wall and it was this side, the mart was this side, and Pepsi was in the middle. And oh, so that's, of course. Oh, I didn't that's know. I, I didn't know Pepsi was in Bentonville, too. Uh, well, no, he was uh, leading the team, the Walmart. Gotcha. Team gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but one of my favorite stints, random. Again, a whole other podcast. I was like, a cool t- it can be a fun town. Very, cool. very cool. Very, very cool. cool. And we had a big uh, 40, 10, 40 party. hundred nice. of our friends flew in from everywhere because no one nice. has ever, no one knows where Arkansas is. I'm like, just get the tickets. You'll figure it out. Anyways, ended up being way more fun than my wedding. So do the 50th because it was, yeah, be I was fun. like, oh, wait, this is awesome. And I'm not stressed. And uh, yeah, no just, one's just a big old party. My, yeah, my dream party. wedding is to just rent out a bar. Yeah. Although I don't even drink anymore. So it's hilarious. Like I don't drink and I don't eat meat anymore, which my cardiologist loves me for. Nice. Hey, hey, the age, it happens. Well, he said to me, he was, well, I got during, um, during COVID, I got gout. Oh no. And he said, yeah, he said, well, it's not fun. If you know people have gotten gout, it's the worst thing ever, but like two beers a day, we'll, we'll do that to you. And a very meat rich diet. He said, basically I could give you pills or I could just you could, you know, or you could just stop drinking and stop eating meat. Yeah. And I was like, do you know what I do here? <laughs> do you? He goes, listen, and your choice. And I just stopped drinking. And it's really weird. I, this is something, this is an offshoot of COVID, just philosophically. Right. I realized that I want to be present for as many moments as I can. Right. And I don't want it to be in a haze of booze. Mm-hmm. Or anything else. I want to be so present for everything. Painful, boring, happy. I don't give a F. Yeah, like I yeah. want it all. And yeah. I want to be there for it. And right. the other thing that happened when I became vegetarian is my inflammation went down. Everything about me. Are you vegetarian? I don't know. Like, I've never had meat in my life. So God bless you. I'm very, I, mean, I'm I very eat proud. eggs. I eat eggs. eggs. Sorry. I'm a fake vegetarian. I have That's eggs. That's not but... a fake vegetarian. Uh, that, that was another never podcast. Alive. It was never alive. <laughs> By the way, the weird part about for those gouters out, like people like joke in my office, they're like, you're gout and proud. I'm like, yes, I am. They were like, um, I'm going to make you a t-shirt and send that to you. They That's are pretty- going to make me a t-shirt. It's, I'm, I'm, tell, me, tell them to keep me in the loop. I like it. <laughs> All right. So I went off on a t- weird tangent about No, presents. I love it. So yeah, drinking, I've cut, because of COVID, I cut down and then you got gout, I got colitis. And so Oof. we're even. I'll, I'll throw it out there. Ulcerative colitis. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So getting colonoscopy is a whole other fun thing. So you should try it out sometime. No, no. I know it's coming. <laughs> it, it's coming. And you have to do it. Do it. Yeah, it's ooh, fun. Yeah. Liquids, liquids. It'll be great. Okay. <laughs> it's a great nap. So back to being brown. Uh, yes. and, and the other question I have, and I, and I do want to talk about, so I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to talk okay. about some current projects with iHeartMedia. Um, okay. You, you were mentioning you miss India. Um, it, it seems like I'm assuming now your relationship with being brown and being Indian is, is pretty healthy in that you're proud of it, but it's not your whole identity kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Um, I can expand on that. It's yeah. Just, I think I'm American first. 
Right. I think, you know, I think one of the things that I care so much about our country is how much, like, I think being Indian American makes you love the country more. More. Yeah. Um, I'm not a East Coast, West Coast city or rural. Like, I love, like, my, when my wife and I, after 9-11, drove cross country, I brought her in from San Francisco. This We were dating long distance. And driving across America and just meeting normal Americans, everyday Americans, right. made me so happy. Like, if you listen to what you hear in the news, you would be like, we must all hate each other. I know. And we don't. We all actually genuinely love each other. Right. It's when we let other people create the narratives. So anyways, back to your question of being Indian, it is something I, I carry with such pride. Like being Indian American is something. My mom, you know, I don't really, it is, you know, I think it's more in the reflection of my parents. Right. And the people around me that I feel proud to be Indian American. Me, I'm just living my life every day. Right. I don't, you know, but I don't like most of my, oddly enough, well, not oddly, very specifically in, in New York, a lot of my friends are Jewish. I'm pretty Jewish at this point, or at least know enough about Judaism and right. culture being in New York. We're all to be kind able of to, the same. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I know enough about Christianity now. Like I hadn't read the Bible. It was so funny. Like I remember my first foreign studies class around, God, I guess it was like 13 or 12 or something. And we were talking about the West Bank and and the Bible and something. And I just like, right. I don't understand. Why don't they just make that entire area like the United States where everyone can just like, it's one collective mm-hmm. state. Right. And they all looked at me like I had like, Gout, like gout, gout, three <laughs> eyes. Like, I don't know. They were just like, and they're like, have you read the Bible? Do you understand how, like what you're, I was like, no. They're like, how could you have not read the Bible? They would give references. And you're like, I don't know, Bhagavad Gita much? Like it was not a thing, right. you know? And right. so I love being Indian American because it allows me to see the world through a lens that's unique to us. Right. And I think being Indian American, like, you know, I'd love to hear that conversation with your husband about the, the, the religion side of it. Right. I think of being Indian as being not just spiritual, but disciplined in your dharma. Like, right. Meaning that you care about everything you do and every person around you. Right. With an absolute. Rightness. And, and I think respect, that people, yeah. yeah. And people, people mistake religion for for more than, you know, for something as like, oh, you see an elephant head and you think that's religion. That's not religion. Right. Religion right. is a philosophy of how we treat each other. And right. that is a good thing. Right. We need and more. I'm actually a pro-religion person when used properly. You which know is I mean? initially the reason for religion. Obviously, men and women have fucked that up. Um, yep, we do. Yeah. Yeah. There are we my, can't and, have nice things. We can't yeah. have nice things. I know. I know. Yeah. And fulfilling your duty, I think, is a, is a big part of it as well, uh, whatever mm-hmm. that duty may be. And then a mentor question, because uh, I'm, I'm making you a mentor now for all the listeners. Okay. You know, your, your career path, like we talked about, has kind of, you've gone kind of down this focus path, obviously after the the engineering time. Mm-hmm. So for younger listeners, for younger South Asians that are still going through this whole doctor, lawyer, engineering, because a lot of, a lot of gen- like even the younger kids are going through that with their parents. Mm-hmm. What's your advice on following passion versus what's, what's practical? Like, how do you balance it all out? What would you say for someone like me who'd never really had a roadmap or had anyone saying like, hey, what do you really want to do? What would you say to these, those, those kids? I knew there was something inside of me that was super creative. 
Right. And I always wanted to be in advertising for the longest time. I knew it the first time I watched like 30 something back in the day. I was just like, okay. oh, I can have ideas. And I loved commercials. Commercials were how I felt like I learned about the world okay. to be able to create culture. But to answer your question about how, if there are young Indian Americans who are like thinking about like how, how do you air quotes, follow your dream kind of thing? Or like, yeah. how do you decide? Well, first you can't lie to yourself. You can't yeah. like, don't pretend and say, I just want to do something. Are you really committed to doing what it takes to be successful in that thing? Right. You know, like, will you, you know, will you give up everything and all the things that you think, you know, to jump into the abyss? Right. I even say this to young creatives, not just Indian Americans, and then we'll right. come back to this way, is people say, oh, I want to be a creative director like you one day. And I go, are you sure? Because it really sucks. Yeah, I'm, for, sure, I'm sure you get that a lot. I get it a lot. Yeah. And I go, what you see here is an artifice of years of work. Right. And honest introspection. So if you're going to do something that is outside the expected, the first thing I'll say to you is, awesome. Yeah. Right. The realization that you can be more than what's expected and that, that thing, and you believe you can do more is how anything great ever happens in life. Right. Like, it's easy when someone paints by numbers, you're going to paint those numbers. You're going to paint within those lines. But if you believe there's a whole new drawing to be made, you will go and make it. And that is amazing. It's an act of creation. You're literally doing an act of creation for your future. Right. But it also means it's going to be hard. Right. Practically, I kept diaries during my first like few years in my life, like meaning few years, meaning my, my twenties, yeah. my formative years. Right. And I wrote them all down. Good days, bad days. By the way, if I go back and read them, they're going to be awful. I'll feel like, <laughs> well, you're full of so much angst. But That's awesome the, though. That's awesome that you have that. Yeah. It'll be just awful and wonderful <laughs> and just disgusting and, you know, great. But I, I the advice is just, Know that it's going to be hard. Yeah. Don't let it, it. Cornell did teach me something really, really important. You just keep coming. Right. Showing up. Again and, and again, again. And oh, you get punched. You do it again. again. You just yep. keep coming. Yeah. They wanted to like basically hone you into a, like a piece of iron. That right. like if no matter what the world hits you with, all you're going to do is knuckle down and go harder, which is pretty much right. what my parents taught me too. Yeah. Which yeah. most Indian parents will tell you. So take the best parts of that lesson that your parents told you and now just apply it with the thing that you care about, but then care about it with all the integrity, all the honesty that you can bring to it. So. Right. I'm going to go back to your dad. Whatever you do, whether, whether, whether you want to be a fisherman or whatever it is, just be great at it. Just be great at it. Just be great at it. Just it's clear. It's, and there's obviously many yeah. avenues to that. But at the end of the day, do what you want, but be great. And then you made it. Oh yeah, but there are no. Oh yeah, the other thing that was fantastic. But the other side of it is there's no shortcuts. No shortcuts. Yeah, there's no shortcuts. Everyone thinks this world that where you can remix something and put a filter on it. Oh no. Yeah. Work. Yeah. Like literally, when someone tells you work Work. harder, show up again and again Again. and again and again. I feel like I can write a book on failure. Like I failed so many times. I'm like, I just I have no fear of rejection anymore. It's kind of nice. 
you've been honed. I I've been love honed. It. I'm Iron Man. I am oh, Iron. And also, that. after having two girls that tell me what to do now, I'm like, okay, you know what? <laughs> Everyone needs to calm down. You're like, I'm still the mom here. So let's yeah. just get, I is still I. So I like, think so. My eight-year-old is going to take over my life pretty soon. Quickly to iHeartMedia. I had so many questions on this, but congrats, you guys. I think won eight Webby Awards this year out of, oh, from, yeah. from all yeah. my, all my, uh, my our, our web team, research. I can't take any credit for that. Yeah, our web team handles amazing. that side of it. Our digital folks are just folks. Peeps are super awesome. They and honestly, they're some of the best in the business. So thank you for that. Yeah, you guys. I mean, amazing. Um, the recent events again. Reading through all the articles, you know, AudioCon, which I wanted to attend, um, and the Variety you, you can, Entertainment. I can get you a stream of it, so that's good. Yeah, too. no, I'd it's love a- to. Um, Variety Entertainment and Tech Summit. You guys have just doing are doing so many interesting events. Anything else coming up that people should know about? We have year long, year round, like we right. have concerts all year round. So like Jingle right. Ball's coming, Fiesta Latina's coming. Uh, we'll be speaking at the ANAs this okay. year, like all the, all those pieces. So that's a kind of a B2B side of it. And then there's this little thing called the metaverse. Um, we've yes, been. That's my next question. Yeah. No, we, we decided one of the things about iHeart that we started a long time, like when we started to really kind of articulate what our, what our position is and what our role is in the world of media, right. but in America is that we democratize content. Yep. Like we democratize access to artists and personalities to be able to have a voice, you know, to have an opinion. Like right. we don't have to all agree, but we all, but the, like, you know, radio is free. Podcast yep. free. Right. And there's a reason why we are a, a for the most part in, in almost everything we do free, because we believe that everyone ha- should have access, access to all our content. Mm-hmm. So when we, I mean, I don't really know what, an, I mean, I know what it is, but like most Americans don't know what an NFT is. They don't know what the metaverse is. So what we did decided in all these things is how do we make them more approachable to like regular people? Right. And specifically on our metaverse um, uh, initiatives, we launched in Fortnite and in Roblox, this thing yes. called iHeartland. Yes, that's what I read about. I read about yes. that. State Jake from State Farm is going to be there. He's in there. He's and in so there. You I can, was like, can, I heard yes. Jake, Roblox, Metaverse, question mark. <laughs> that, 100%. Okay. State Farm's been an amazing partner. They okay. are. They created the first like virtual destination stage in both Fortnite and Roblox. They were the first okay. to do that. So okay. imagine for a second, like we, have a, like we have a theater out in LA where you know artists come, but there's no place that is a consistent stage. We are now programming 20 events. We've done two already. Charlie okay. Puth, Love have performed there. Yep. And there's going to be more. There's going to be live podcasters. Yep. Uh, the Trap Nerds are up next. I don't know if you know the Trap Nerds. They're I don't fantastic. Know They're okay. super awesome. Okay. They talk, anyway, so that's going to be our big kind of push where we've now pushed content into those platforms to enable um, everyone to be able to like access it. That's not like, and candidly, the metaverse is kind of a nebulous moniker for like right. all things that are in this kind of aug- virtual reality space. Those are actually games. Yeah. Like video games. That's Fortnite. And then there's Roblox. But that's just the beginning. We have so much that we have planned. Like, yeah. you know, it's kind of like the watch the space kind of thing in the right. Rachel Maddow sense of the word, right? Right, right, There's right. going to be more coming. Um, it's just the beginning, so... That's exciting. Well, congrats on everything. I had a bunch of other notes, but we're following you guys and uh, we'll we'll do this a part two. We'll talk more about the metaverse. You can maybe explain it to me. All right. Quick, fast round. First thing that okay. comes to your mind. Who would be your dream 
collaboration that you haven't worked with yet? Anyone, it could be through work or personal. Tom Ford. What would you like to be known for at the end of your career? That I was helpful. If you had a billboard you can put up anywhere in the country, any highway, uh, permanently, what would you have on it? The moment you think you're the shit, you are shit. I think I know the answer to this, but I always ask this to, to my South Asian, all my South Asian guests, because our parents are so funny. Would your parents be able to describe what you do? And if they would, what would they say you do? No, my parents don't know exactly what I do. No one does. I mean, I remember the first time I was an art, sorry, this is rapid round, I'll do it quick. When they thought I was an art director, they're like, why isn't your name in the commercial if you directed the art of it? I'm like, mom, no. Um, <laughs> I love she, her. She's, my mom's the best, the best. Um, but the answer to the question, they don't know exactly what I do, but I think the way they describe it is, he is the head of creative at iHeartMedia. And that is right-ish, and, but the only thing they wouldn't understand is the marketing side of it, which is much more complex. And, and frankly, is, but my parents get it. I would yeah. actually, you know what? I take that back. My parents know what I do now, Good. do, do now, but because it's such a big brand, they understand it. When I was in advertising, they couldn't, I, I honestly, working in an ad agency, they would have no idea what I really did day to day. Right. Right. I love Sorry, it. That well, was a long this is dedicated to auntie and uncle. I love it. Hey, I don't know what my husband does. It's fine. I really know what he does. <laughs> you, you, you guys should talk. You, you guys would love I know each exactly other. what he does. Uh, if we were to ever meet, would you be down to do a dance off? Uh, yes, but really my wife is better at it. Okay. Like, especially with your Bollywood chops, I would be very, very embarrassed. I was a break dancer in college, like a legit. Woman. Oh no. My wife, I met her oh, okay. on a dance floor. She's, okay. An unbelievable dancer. Are you, ba so you based in New York? Yeah, we are. All right. Next time I'm there. Yeah. I mean, look at this little <laughs> thing behind us is our basement slash um, dance studio for Anne when she wants to just like, you know, Oh, she has a studio? It's not, we don't have a bar on the wall. But, well, Rahul, yeah. I'm coming over. And, there you go. And I just, I'd rather just meet your wife then. And yeah, no, it's you, you, then you get the better half of me. So. <laughs> Man, what a cool guy. This is what I love about podcasting. You just never know who's going to say yes to jump on the platform and talk to you. I know Rahul had mentioned he doesn't really do podcasts, but I think talking about growing up South Asian and what being South Asian means to him now was important enough. So he gave us a chance. So thank you, Rahul. We had a great time. You guys, I think you know where to find iHeartRadio and iHeartMedia. They have a ton of podcasts and live events and just kind of everything you can think of. Go check them out, please. As always, you can follow me at TuckeredOutWithUmmy and TuckeredOutWithUmmy.com. And you guys, we are a few episodes away from the big 100. So uh, send me a note. Let me know how to celebrate. You can go to the website and send me something or uh, DM me on uh, Instagram. Thank you guys for listening. This is Tuckered Out.